Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Back to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Huh? I have an actual question for you. Oh. Hello! Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which myself, Indigo Horn of Unicorns, also known as Kristen, and my co-host... I'm a beach girl. A.K.A. Chris. Discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter, and at this point, we are in the penultimate chapter of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That is chapter 16, titled, What Happened About the Statues? A very British expression. I was going to use the word penultimate. Yeah, I know you were going to use the word penultimate. I had to cut you off at the pass, because I know it's one of your favorite words. Why do you take joy from me? You know what? You took a little joy from me. I thought you were going to introduce yourself as Rumble Buff, and I even wrote it down because I expected you to. Mr. Beach Girl. Yeah, I I, I appreciate that much more because Rumble Buffin wouldn't have surprised me, and I would have been like, "Haha, I called it." Uh-huh. But you actually did make me giggle. That's what I try to do. It is. Um, anyway, welcome to a podcast. I welcome. Think- I think all the horn blasting is done. Yeah, so uh, one of our nearby neighbors is apparently having either like a drive-by birthday or a drive-by graduation party right now. So if you hear any horns honking, it's not, you know, us. It's it's a celebration of someone's life. Hooray. And it's much less hot in here this week, which I'm really excited about. By golly. (laughs) I can keep my shirt on. I'm not sweating. (laughs) All right, all right. Keep your shirt on. Uh Uh-huh. I try to. Uh, anyway, welcome to the chapter. We are almost done with this thing, Kristen. We are. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How do you feel about that? I'm. I'm actually kind of. Uh, I'm. I'm proud of us, because this is like, this has made me like get frustrated enough with the books to not want to continue this project. <laughs> but also, I feel like we've made it through two of seven books, so we need to continue because we actually like. Decided we were going to do this thing and did the thing. Yeah. We're not even a third of the way done with this thing. We've been... Mm. The whole series. That's our... (laughs) Well... We've been doing this for a year. No, we have not. Well, not consistently. How many weeks are in a year? 52. Yes. How many chapters were in the first book? Like 13. Uh-huh, in the second book? 17. Uh-huh. So we're about 30. We, yeah. Well, we'll stop and go for the first bit of Magician's Nephew. You mean we recorded yes. a bunch ahead of time yes. and released them we, in we slow We started succession. the project a year ago. Yes, but we've only been airing, and we did not start it a full year ago. Anyway. I um, mean, I can look it up. I, don't, I titled the don't, original don't, report. Don't, don't worry about it. Let's just jump in. All right, jump in. Um... So why don't we go ahead and do our summaries? I don't. There's not going to be a whole lot to discuss in this chapter, I don't think, because it's really kind of straightforward. We, How dare you? We got a few things. Um, you say that enough times that it just like it makes me feel like this is going to be the longest episode ever. Oh, possibly. I said last week that uh, I think by word count the last chapter was the longest in the book. This one I think eclipses it. I think this one it was a really long chapter I... for what this book is. I um, disagree. This chapter felt stupid short. No, I don't think it was. Uh, anyway, 
I'm going to go ahead and get into our summary. So for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before, first we make some ice rattle around the glass real quick. And then we go through the chapter. Uh, we pick out five sentences that we think summarize the chapter in a neat little package. And we read those just to get a baseline of where we're going with this. Uh, and would you like me to go ahead and start since you are still looking for information? Wow, you're right. It yeah. has been a year. You recorded your first intro on April 24th, 2019. Yeah. Well, we recorded our first episode. Whenever you're ready to continue the episode. Then. <laughs> uh, was... All right. Um, so what do we do? If I'm lying, I'm crying. I ain't shed a tear. <laughs> It's a very old Southern expression. Yeah, um, anyway. I'm getting that. <laughs> um, we're in the summary section. Welcome back. Would you like me to go first or would you like to go first? I'll go first because I think mine is terrible. Okay, go for it. He had bounded up to the stone lion and breathed on him. Of course, the children's eyes turned to follow the lion but the sight they saw was so wonderful that they soon forgot about him. The whole castle stood empty with every door and window open and the light and the sweet spring air flooding into all the dark and evil places which needed them so badly. It was a noise of shouts and shrieks and of the clashing of metal against metal. Then with a roar that shook all Narnia from the western lamppost, to the shores of the eastern sea, the great beast flung himself upon the white witch. Cool. So we're back to some synchronization. We had two sentences okay. uh, in common this time. One of them I put in a different place, but here is mine. Everywhere the statues were coming to life. The whole castle stood empty, with every door and window open, and the light and the sweet spring air flooding in to all the dark and all the evil places which needed them so badly. At this point, Aslan clapped his paws together and called for silence. There stood Peter and Edmund and all the rest of Aslan's army fighting desperately against the crowd of horrible creatures whom she had seen last night. Only now, in the daylight, they looked even stranger and more evil and more deformed. Then, with a roar that shook all Narnia from the western lamppost to the shores of the eastern sea, the great beast flung himself upon the White Witch. There you go. So, cool. We are pretty similar in our themes that we wanted to touch on. Yeah, I spent a little more... I don't, I don't know. I, I want to say I spent a little more time at the castle, but... Yeah. So, let's get in here. Uh, Narnia, uh, Narnia... You yep, know, let's get in you know, there. Narnia, That's why we're all here. Narnia, yeah. the, Narnia the Lion. Uh, Aslan. <laughs> no, he's Jesus, you know. Yeah. Aslan and the children uh, are ha are flinging open the gates of hell to go and release all the sinners. Okay. Uh, let's start there. So we go and we open this chapter uh, by going into the White Witch's house. We don't even open the gates. We jump over the walls and we start waking folk up. Mm-hmm. And they have to basically release themselves because yes. eventually Aslan is going to have to ask the giant to knock the door down for them. Yeah. Uh, Rumble Buffin. I'm... Why are you getting to Rumble Buffin? We have so much to talk about before Rumble Buffin. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So um, Aslan and the girls jump in and Aslan just goes straight to work. And he he's described in these same kind of like... He clocks in. 
and does the work. Um, he does these same kind of bounding, um, playful, kitten-like actions and motions as he's described as doing when he plays with the girls, I feel. It's like they say he like runs straight up to the lion and breathes on him and then just turns around Breathes on the next creature, jumps over to another one, jumps off of another one. Yeah, he's being real energetic. Like, he is just rushing all over the place and breathing. Yeah. And it's slow, like a cracking ice uh-huh. that kind of spreads and the golden hue of the lion comes back and yeah. it slowly becomes visible. And I, I like this little lion. <laughs> he gets so excited later. Uh-huh. Um... So, yep, one more lion. Aslan is not the only lion in Narnia. Let this be shown for the records. So, is is this other lion supposed to be symbolic of some kind of prophet, like Elijah or something like that? Or Oh, I was going to is... say it's obviously the Apostle John. But... Uh, <laughs> anyway, whatever. I had a professor uh, when I went to Bible college. Uh, that makes it sound so trite. Uh, you had what? just one professor in Bible college. Yeah. That's where you went wrong. That's about what all they they all they had to spare. Um, no, I had a professor when I went to college uh, who taught a few religion classes, who was obsessed with John, and like thought John the Apostle was like the greatest thing since sliced bread, and talked about him endlessly. It was really annoying. Anyway, um, and I always was annoyed. I became annoyed with the character of John because of that man. <laughs> And so that's why I think of this lion that way. Oh, because uh-huh. it's annoying? Yes. Okay. Um, anyway, so we awaken all the statues up. We, we awaken uh, uh, all sorts of things, like unicorns. We got centaurs. We got the lion coming back. Apparently, unicorns have indigo horns in this world. Who knew? And it looks like a zoo. Creatures are running to and fro. Like, people are running up staircases and, like... Yeah, I do appreciate... There was something that stood out to me when Aslan sends... Uh, as they as all of the people wake up and Aslan sends them into the building um, in order to search for more uh, stonified people, what Aslan says is, look alive, everyone, which, I mean, is kind of the whole point of him being inside, uh, being there. Look alive, everyone. Upstairs and downstairs and in my lady's chamber. <laughs> Leave no corner unsearched. You never know where some poor prisoner may be concealed. That sentence of in my lady, lady's chamber. Uh-huh. Um, but the way that Aslan describes um, the witch as his lady. Like, I understand, like, the, the like, the British ism of their like of a respectful title but like why see i thought it was more of an old english thing where he's not using my as possessive possessive it was like it's more of like an not an honorific but yeah no but it is it is an honorific it's a milady it's my lady it's no i'm not saying that aslan's (laughs) saying that she is somehow his yeah i i'm saying he's showing her respect that's undue yeah I mean, like, of all of the creatures to be able to be disrespectful to the witch, Aslan is the one. Unless he's doing it ironically, which is also possible because we've got, we've seen Aslan in a couple of very playful scenes right up to this. Uh-huh. And having him just be like, oh yeah, and in my lady's chamber, go make sure that the queen has 
not got anybody locked away. I would say that. I would say there's also, like, zero instances of sarcasm in this entire book. And so for that to be the one, I think, would be a weird change of writing style. Because, like, nobody's sarcastic in this one or the magician's nephew, really. Um... Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's sarcasm. Maybe it is. Maybe this is the one instance of that and, like, Lewis just forgot to go back and edit the book and put in more. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I feel like, just pausing here, we we awaken all the Birch girls and the Beach girls and the Larch girls who are all wearing the different dresses, and I feel like this is like a BuzzFeed quiz. Like, you go <laughs> on and this is like... Are you a Birch girl? Yeah. What kind of, what kind of tree girl are you? Answer yeah. these 15 questions to find out. Yeah, there is. It's. I think it's more of like, I think the BuzzFeed quiz is actually like a which nymph are you? Whether you're a dryad or a naiad or... Are there other kinds? There's another, there's, there's, there is at least one more that I was looking at just two days ago. That was another thing I never said. Like dryads are like the tree folk and naiads are the water folk. I always thought it would make sense if they were dry ads and wet ads, but, um, I love you. Sorry, that was a dumb joke. Anywho. Anywho, go yeah. ahead. Um, so after that, uh, we are waking up a giant. He comes into play later. Uh, and in my book, there's an illustration of him and it, I'm, Let me see this illustration. Before I show you this... Who is this and, an illustration of? Uh, of the crowd plus the giant. The giant is there. Before I show you this, and we'll post this on the Instagram, I'm going to say, I looked at the giant and was immediately reminded of, like, art that I've seen of Franciscan monks and, like, specifically Martin Luther. Okay. Which I thought was weird. But here you go. Here is the giant in my book. See, He's got, I'm... He's, <laughs> I, yeah, I see, and I see what you say, and I see, like, and when you were flipping through earlier doing your page count, I saw this, and out of the corner of my eye, I agreed with you. He looked very much like um, a monastic kind of character, but now that you've actually shown it to me here, yeah. it looks very much like a sultanic character, like, very much, like, Middle Eastern-inspired headdress and loose fitting clothes like i don't know he looks more sultany than he does mon- monastic to me but that's i don't know pers- I just, i'm trying to think of an author that would have that character in the background but never mind anyway um yeah i thought that was an interesting choice it's certainly an interesting depiction of a giant that you don't really get a lot of like yeah especially the, when the it's one cut. that can pick up a child between two fingers like He's yeah. definitely drawn a little smaller than that, I feel. Yeah. Uh, and we have all sorts of critters. And we run through the door uh, of the house, and we free everybody in the house, and we find Mr. Tumnus. Mr. Mr. Tumnus is back. High five! We got him! That was... There you go. There's an audible high... There it is. An audible um, one? Audible one. Um, so we find Tumnus. He's back. He doesn't really say a lot in this chapter. I mean, you know, he's, he, he's not really returning as a character. Yeah, uh, he's just kind of like, hey, look, we rescued Mr. Tumnus, the whole reason that we stayed in Narnia at all. Uh, and he's just kind of there, and him and Lucy have fun catching up. Um, and the ransacking of the Witch's Fortress was ended. Uh, the castle stood empty. That was one of the ones we both included in our summary. 
and we have this moment of oh this place was once evil and you know full of wickedness and death and all these statues of and, and potential for what people could have been and now it is empty the we light has flooded in the spring air rushes purgatory through. of We've, all of its evil uh-huh are we switching to purgatory now i don't know what it's what, not what, hell is it hell I, I don't know. I don't know what that particular ca- uh, Catholic... We decided it was a Catholic tradition, yes. right? Yes. Um, uh, in the last episode. Yeah, the Catholic tradition specifically is it's hell, where Jesus goes and, and lets Preaches free all the sinners. The... Yeah, because the idea is, you know, what happened to all the people who died before Jesus was an option. Yeah. And that's that kind of answers that question, uh, which the no. Bible itself never directly deals with. Yeah, which, no, uh, I'm, I, I... Which I think is interesting, but... This is not a Bible discussion podcast. Yeah, no, that would be be accurate. That's our Patreon one. Um, So then we have this moment, which I I, I have mixed thoughts on. Uh, So we go in with, on top of Aslan, and we jump over the wall, and we waken everybody, and then they're just like, oh, wait, the gate's locked. How are we going to get out? And then... Rumble Buffin. Aslan is just like, hey, bet that giant could help there. Hey, giant, what's your name? And he's just like, Rumble Buffin, which is... I See, I took it more as Rumble Buffin. Which, like, sounds a lot like something off of the name table for, like, gnomes in D&D. <laughs> like, that, that is like a hobbit or a gnome name and not at all, like, a giant name. I don't know. I like Rumble Buffin. <laughs> as a giant name because because you then a few minutes later in the discussion have mr tumnus chime in and say that the buffins are good giants if not a bit simple Uh and when he's saying that to lucy he's referring to the buffin family of giants so this guy's name is rumble is rumble Like, I don't know, I just really appreciated that because he is Rumble Buffin. Giant, one word. Giant Rumble Buffin. Giant's a title, apparently. It is apparently a title. I think you should start introducing yourself as human, Kristen. Well, I introduce you as my human all the time <laughs> to people. Like, uh-huh. hi guys, this is my human. <laughs> You're cute. Um, so we got Rumble Buffin and Aslan is like, hey, can you help with that? And Rumble Buffin uh, goes and tears apart the gate and knocks down the towers with and throws like open the six whole thing. or seven more hit like with with unnecessary effort yeah uh, maximum man, effort it's a really strong gate and my thoughts are twofold on this uh and i wanted to spend some time here because at first i was just like why why because like we have aslan he's back he's on all, all his power he can roar and knock down a forest and he can like turn bring dead people back to life and all this crap stone he can reanimate stone people let's be i was being exaggerative for effect um yet a locked gate beyond him he's just like no i think that he is giving the people a a a tool yeah that's to understand that this is something that they have right authority and power to be able to do and that was my second thought and that that was a thing that i thought was worth dwelling on because he that is one of his first uh, one of his major actions as the reborn yeah. uh, king is he's like putting the power in the hands of the people and being like 
go, you can free yourself. Go ahead and knock it down. Yeah. yeah. Like. I mean, I think that there's also just a certain amount of like, hey, I've already proved myself as Aslan, who has more power than the witch and has reversed the stonification of all of you in front of all of you. Like, he just did a, a major flex. Uh-huh. And now he's like, all right, he, he you, flexing. you show me what you've got. Mm-hmm. You know? Hey, hey, Rubble Buffin. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah. Um, so Rubble Buffin knocks down the gate, and they are now free of the witch's castle and curse and embrace. And then we, then we waste, like, two pages on this scene about the handkerchief. Which is weird. Yeah, I was super annoyed <laughs> reading that. I Like, as we started reading it, I was like, I remember this. This is just, like, super. And it's like, especially when the way this chapter ends is them arriving at an ongoing battle. Like, uh-huh. it makes me even more annoyed with C.S. Lewis to have wasted my time in the story with this little anecdote about the giant picking up Lucy. Yeah. Like, I don't, it just, it doesn't make sense to just be like, oh yeah, she asked for a handkerchief and he ha- uh, thought she was the handkerchief. Yeah. I, this is one of the, those things where I'm going to go on a little rant and be like, I greatly, greatly respect C.S. Lewis as a man. I've said that before. He is my favorite theologian ever uh, and love his nonfiction stuff to death. The, the fiction of his that I've read, I'll, I haven't read all of it. All two books of it that you've read? Uh, I've read one of the other ones. Um, I'd have to get... I mean, does the screw tape letters count as fiction? Because that kind of is. It's your, your call. Yeah, sure. Um, I just... Brevity is the soul of wit, and Lewis doesn't understand that in this fiction. Like... True. He... It, like, it's... It would be great if like oh there's comedic relief in this book and comedic relief is always fine if it's like oh there's a throwaway joke or this is a funny juxtaposition or a funny little scene but all of his things that are attempts at like brevity and adding humor in are like not page and a half two page long like complete scenes that we go into and overstay their welcome true like it's it's always weird and it feels out of place and it breaks up the story. But it's also a very short book. <laughs> yeah. So like and, and where else should he have invested that time? Because it's not the time. It's a, it's it's taking the time to describe this entire scene rather than just like I'm going to have a throwaway line that's a joke at the giant's expense. Like we could have done that instead of being like this is the penultimate chapter, everything is coming to a close, but we're, we're going to spend take... two pages yeah. talking about this this scene with the handkerchief. Which, how sweaty the giant gets yeah. because he's out of shape. Which, even at its best, is not a good joke. Like, yep. even if it was done well, it wouldn't be that funny. That, that the handkerchief <laughs> that she offers to him, his his little handkerchief. Uh-huh. Anchorchief. Yeah, they, it could have been like, See, we could have, here, I'll rewrite this. We could cut all this out. He can say, <laughs> blow defiant all in a muck sweat. And when I read all the giant's lines in this chapter, I was picturing. The cabbie? No. Because I was picturing the cabbie. Not the cabbie. Who's the actor that plays Hagrid in the Harry Potter movies? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Robbie Coltrane. Yes. Was picturing him saying all these lines, and it fits really, really well. Yeah, okay, okay. Blow defiant all in a muck sweat. Uh, that's my terrible Hagrid impersonation. But uh, he says that, <laughs> then Lucy comes in, and Lucy's like, 
don't worry, I've got a handkerchief, and hands it to him, and, he, and he, you know, there's the image of him rubbing a tiny handkerchief on his forehead. That's all that needed to be said right yeah, there. Yeah, di- you didn't need uh, to have any of yeah. the him reaching down and picking her up yeah. instead of, mm-hmm. and getting her all the way up in front of his face before he realized that... That was just like, oh, hey, giants are dumb. That was kind of like a... <laughs> yeah. But so is, you know, the little girl who offered the giant her handkerchief that was less than, you know... That was the tip of his finger in size. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we established that he's a nice giant, and Tumnus yeah. is just like, Lucy's yeah. Lucy's also a nice girl. Also dumb. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of, of course. They're kindred he's, spirits. He's a buffin. Of, you know, one of, the, one of the honorable giant families. Also, why are they honorable? Talk, read that to me. It says, uh, one of the most respected of all the giant families in Narnia. Not very clever, perhaps. I never knew a giant that was, which is a lot of profiling. Um, <laughs> most respected families in all of Narnia. Not very clever, perhaps, uh, but an old family with traditions. You traditions! Tradition! Don't look at me like you've never seen Fiddler on the Roof. All right, Maybe. so <laughs> this moment for me really stood out. That word tradition stood out so profoundly because, and like, you know, a uh, spoiler for our coming conversation with one of our guests, but we're going to be talking a lot about the, um, the tone that C.S. Lewis takes towards logic, religion, faith, um, questioning the validity of your younger sister's argument because she's, you know, the more lo- more trustworthy one, blah, 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 blah. Le- Lewis is leaning so hard into this idea that, like, yeah, he's a good giant, he's a dumb giant, but his family has tradition and they honor tradition, and that's part of what makes them worthy of our trust. And the fact that they honor tradition. And this very much rubbed me in a very like I wanted to I wanted to like Rumble Buffin because <laughs> he comes from an honorable traditional family. Uh-huh. But I also wanted to like bristle against Rumble Buffin because his family is described as having tradition and just like wanting to have a little more like Freedom to to see and respect characters who don't have tradition. Uh-huh. Like, anyway, that was that was my little aside there that that really, that sentence about tradition really, like, bristled me and comforted me simultaneously. Yeah. And it was an odd feeling I had towards Rumble Buffin because I was like, yeah, Rumble Buffin, love him, love his name, <laughs> love his role. Love this little goofy moment, but also it's an annoying moment. And why do we love him? Because he has tradition. Like, I don't know. I I, I liked it, and I didn't like it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I I don't I don't necessarily think this is a moment where Lewis is espousing like, oh yeah, you know, you're dumb, but you got tradition. That means you're good, because he's just like making a generalized statement and saying, no, all giants are dumb. Like, that's just an across-the-board, if you're a giant, you're dumb. But at least they have tradition, that's something. So, he's not he's not making uh, ignorance of virtue. I, yeah, but he kind of is. He's kind of saying, like, you can be dumb, but as long as you hold to the traditions you were taught 
as long as you're not thinking for yourself, you might as well hold on to the traditions and not think about anything because you don't have to because you've got traditions to fall back on. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I I really I really didn't like what it was saying about simple people. Uh that 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 you bring that up and that kind of reminded me when I was reading this of another thing because I, I endlessly will like to compare this series to Lord of the Rings, even though they're vastly different. Um but that's that's one of my touchstones for any kind of fantasy writing. Okay. And I want to take a look at this passage and compare that to when we get introduced to uh, Bilbo and, like, Frodo in Lord of the Rings uh, as characters. And they're just like, yeah, the Bagginses are, are great people. They've never gone on any adventures. Like, they do what's expected of them. Yes. And this is, like... A, a value and like a, a virtue in the hobbit community is you do exactly what's expected of you you don't go against the grain you are the norm and that you are looked upon greatly for that and that's kind of the same vein as what's going on here like hey they're not clever they don't do anything great but they got traditions they do what's expected of them yeah uh and so and and yeah no no good stories come from that kind of character. <laughs> I mean, no world changers come out of that. No influencers come out of that. No. Yeah. Yeah. No literary traditions come out of that. It is. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah I thought that was an interesting discussion point, but I guess I didn't go anywhere. Uh, so moving on. <laughs> uh Let's talk a little bit about this other lion. Oh, golly. <laughs> Let's call him Al. Ooh, ooh, but first, there is a line that I thought you'd like. It says, Those who are good with their noses must come in front with us lions to smell out where the battle is. Yep. And we're back We're back to noses as a we're theme. We're back to noses <laughs> as a theme. All right, so um, in the course of all of these... Um, People and creatures being reanimated. Aslan basically tells them all to mount up and says that those who cannot keep up should ride on others. It lists eagles as those who should be carrying people. They can carry small critters. Like, I mean... Like the lion here gets loaded up with a hedgehog. Um, <laughs> so like something like a hedgehog an eagle could carry. Okay. But... um. The little, the little lion, we'll call him Al. Al is running around. He's got no name. Nobody cares. Al is running around telling everybody, like, he said, we lions. He said, us lions. Us lions. He, did you hear that? Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Ma, he likes me. He's very smug about it. He's like, that's what I like about Aslan. No side. No standoffishness. Us lions. That meant him and me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And like, um, so this is, he's basically distracting people from actually mounting up and accomplishing what they were told to. And he got quiet once Aslan loaded him down with the hedgehog. Yeah. Aslan, Aslan humbles stuff. him. Yeah, a little bit. Uh-huh. Because he, like, he puts a lot of critters on him, not just the hedgehog. Would you say it's a lion with a lot of pride? Al <laughs> 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 is a little bit of a pridey lion, isn't he? Uh-huh. Um, um, here's the full so, list, by the way. Okay. We have, he's loaded up with three dwarfs, one dryad, two rabbits, and a hedgehog, which 
of the choices, like if we're going to do one illustration in this chapter, that's the illustration that I wanted. <laughs> like this lion just like loaded down with all these things. Yeah. It would have been better. Three dwarves, a dryad, two rabbits, and a hedgehog. And a hedgehog. Aww. Um, so then, what? What? which dog is it that actually helps them put everything in order? Uh, well, it just says uh, one great hound. One great hound. We don't have a specific dog. So this one great hound... Mm-hmm. Um, is actually helping organize everybody into their mounts and get them run, get them up and ready to go. And then they do they knock down the wall before or after they mount up? Uh, before. Before. So they've already knocked down the wall. Yeah. Aslan tells them all to mount up. The hound helps, and then they just start going. And the lions and those with good noses get out in front. And try to track down where the battle's happening. Mm-hmm. And this is a full day's journey by sledge, half day, and then walking half day. Yeah. So, away from the stone table. So, I don't understand how they get there so fast. Because Sazland magic, I don't know. I mean, like, there's the difference between running and sledging or walking. Uh-huh. But we also have this huge column spread out over half a mile from start to finish of of, of people heading towards this battle. Mm-hmm. And they are at least half a day's journey away. They're, like, they're, even, they're at, even at running speeds, though. Like... Yeah. But, but but that's because we get to have the super cool like charge of the Rohirrim scene when like yeah the... no but I'm trying to do I'm trying to do math here and be like all right so if you're if you're walking at like four miles an hour versus a lion sprinting uh-huh. well like what can a lion sprint at when he's got two humans riding on his back yeah through forest and wooded terrain like yeah. Are you looking up running speed of a lion? Yes, I am. While you're doing... Because the lion's running speed is 50 miles an hour. But that's that's a maximum in short bursts. Yeah. Um, And they can leap up to 35 feet. That's a thing I didn't know. And then we had him jump over the wall. Factually accurate, apparently. He... he, As long as it's not a four-story wall, he's... Yeah. That's fair. Well, I, I think that's distant. I, I, I don't yeah, think I they think can that, run straight up 35 yeah. feet, because that would be terrifying. Yes, it would. <laughs> that was, that was, that was like, like, just popped up in my memories a couple days ago, like, you know, on this day, six years ago, I was living in my apartment by myself, and I posted, dear God, lizards really didn't need the ability to jump, just saying. You and your war with lizards. <laughs> I don't have a war with lizards i just want them to understand that i want to be left alone (laughs) they don't get on you they get in my house they were in my drain when i moved into that apartment there was one stuck in the bathtub for over a week they're in there eating bugs yeah no it needs to get out they're eating the bugs that would bite you and harm you yes except that every time i walk into the bathroom it jumps down (laughs) to the drain like it scared me anyway we passed over a line that I really wanted to read because I, I thought it was another one of these things where it was like, maybe Lewis trying to add in humor and kind of missing the mark and it turns into kind of a weird line in this chapter. 
Our day's work is not over is not yet over, he said, referring to Aslan. And if the witch is to be finally defeated before bedtime, we must find the battle at once. Like, we have this whole thing where we just, like, brought back all these statues, like, they Aslan's come no back from the They have no idea what's going on. Dead. They haven't been filled. Yeah, Aslan just caught, come back from the, the dead. dead. And, and, like, we're going to go find the witch and do this massive final battle, and we're going to free the world from a hundred years of darkness. But if we want to kill her before bedtime, guys, we need to, we need to get going. We need to get going. Because we, I mean, 10 o'clock, I'm down. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I thought that was a weird kind of... I mean, Rumble Buffett's already wore out, so <laughs> I thought, we really got to get moving if we're going to include him in this fight. And I'll talk more about this in my in my summary of the chapter, but I feel like there's a couple of times like that and the Rumble Buffett scene with the handkerchief that like break up the th- like the tone of the chapter, and I feel like it has a consistent tone but is ruined by things like that. Um, yeah. Anyway. No, I agree. I absolutely agree, and I feel like there are moments like that in the book as a whole that stand out in the book as a whole as kind of they little are, they are moment dis- breakers. Like where, where Mrs. Beaver is like, can we take the sewing machine? <laughs> like, <laughs> or I don't know, just like where the witch is just like, or, or the, the whole scene where it was like, if you had stayed and watched, you would have seen the stump walk over to the rock. Like, <sighs> That is super discordant. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, they run and they find this battle. And there is a there's a den of battle going on. And we have Peter and the witch throwing down. <laughs> yes. We have Peter and the witch fighting it up. Um, Which apparently they they are caping up with each other and like they're, they're and that have you ever <laughs> now let's just have you ever held a real metal sword in your hand? I have held a replica sword, oh, not, but I, like was it made out of metal? Yes. Okay. And have you ever swung that at another human being? Not a metal one, no. Okay, I have. Okay. I I used to sword fight on the on on the regular on the reg regularly there is a word for that by the way all of you who say on the reg the word regularly means the same thing so you should just use that word because it's more economical with your syllables um <laughs> this is this rant this is, is now slang concluded <laughs> this slang rant is now concluded um brevity i'm all for you know just not when it comes to me talking like uh-huh. right now where i'm just going on and on um I have sword fought. I used to regularly sword fight with my best friend's older brother where um, he we would sword fight with real metal swords that were... I thought you used wood swords. Well, we Why used, are you using metal? We used real metal swords until my dad told me I wasn't allowed to do it anymore. Yeah, because that's stupid. We would do it carefully, and they weren't sharp yeah. because they would hit each other so much. They're all nicked up. and and. Yes, but you're still swinging a metal stick at somebody. And that's my point. <laughs> I have done it before, and it is not easy, and it is not something that you can just pick up and do. And it is not something that a child can just pick up and do, especially against a taller, more nimble person and one who has experience fighting, uh, presumably, before. Also, now, like, as we've, sorry, go on. I have tried 
to sword fight someone who had even, you know, a, a significant amount more active practice of walking around swinging a sword. But probably, you know, like, that we're, we're talking like if I'm Peter and my friend James is the witch, like, uh-huh. Peter's going down in like seven minutes flat. Like, this isn't going to continue. Like, there's no way that he's holding his own against her, just in a, like, a let's touch back down in reality <laughs> setting. And, like, even when we did switch to wood swords and I wasn't afraid of hurting him and would go all in on trying to attack, like, yeah, no, still failed yeah. on on a routine basis. We've also established that the witch is physically strong enough to throw a woman across the room. Yes, but maybe <laughs> not in Narnia. We haven't seen her throw anyone across the room. We've just seen her throw the lamp post yeah seed across the room i guess that's accurate um yeah she's also using a dagger so i mean she has a disadvantage here side note there's a little bit of a uh what do you call it the mandela effect in narnia where people um people like my dad think that that lamppost grew up missing one of its arms because the witch had pulled an arm off of the one that and so that they're like I my dad has described it to me more than once saying there is a lamppost in Narnia that's missing one of its arms. And it's not. It's just this weird memory thing of the magician's nephew and the line which the wardrobe overlapping in memory. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's at a disadvantage here uh, because she. Ha- Who's at disadvantage? The witch. Uh, because I mean, she is stronger. She's and- not rolling at disadvantage. But she does have a stone dagger, and she has considerably less reach than a sword. So you know, yes, I'll but her that. arms are significantly longer, and a stone dagger to her is probably as long as a short sword. To you know, like yeah, there's a there's a weapon difference here. But why isn't she using her wand? Well, I mean, she did earlier in the battle, like we described Obviously, the scene. Yeah, with, but like, why isn't she using it against Peter? They explained that away in the movie by having it knocked out of her hand, but... I feel like the movie did a lot of things better than the book. Um, yeah, no, I do not disagree. <laughs> One of those rare instances. Do not uh, cite because we, deep magic to me. Yeah, because, I don't know, we need this dramatic scene. Uh, but then Aslan comes in, he's just like, out of the way, children, and he just like leaps, pounces on her, takes her down. We We don't know what happens after that. We don't actually describe him killing her or biting her or subduing her in any way. He's just That's like, he leaps scene. at the witch, end scene. Yep. We don't actually know how this ends. But we only have one chapter left, so yeah. we've got to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, now, I know how much stuff happens after this scene. So I thought there was going to, like, after this scene, I feel like there's three more chapters worth of content after this. Nope, and this there's one. only one <laughs> chapter left. That's all we got. I'm like really annoyed by that i will say that another thing i'll point out in my review of the chapter later on is that this chapter of all the ones that we've read so far uh in both books probably has the worst line to end on tell me uh, of anything the line is and peter's tired army cheered and the newcomers roared and the enemy squealed and gibbered till the wood re-echoed with the din of that onset You can't end a sentence with the word onset. It's just, it's weird. It, I don't know. That that whole sentence felt off to me, and I was like, it can't be the, la- that, the last part. No, that's the end of the chapter. Why? 
It's just such a weird note to end on. Maybe you're just missing a page. Uh-huh. I'm sure that's the case. Um, <laughs> we do have another illustration of, of Friar Giant here, though. He was in the battle. Okay, so it is hair. It's not yeah, a turban. Yeah, no, it is okay. very much hair. He has a bowl cut. Can you move your thumb? There yeah. you go. I'm going to take a picture of this. Yeah, it, right. he's, he's, he's a weird-looking dude. Uh, so, yeah, that is the chapter. Anything else you want to throw in there before we get to our rewrites? No, I think we touched on everything. I wanted to bring up the sword fighting thing primarily. That was like the big thing where I was just like, nope, we can't. Gotta get to the sword fight. Gotta get to this sword fight yeah. nonsense. Yep. Uh, so that was a thing. Would you like to take us into our next segment? I So our next segment... Our next... Alright, so our next <laughs> segment is to do a rewrite of the chapter so we do what we did at the beginning with our summary it took five sentences plucked them out of the chapter rearranged them and tried to tell a new story a rewrite a uh, narnia chopped and screwed if you will if you will or a hashtag narnia fusion buffet <laughs> or a narnia cobbler <laughs> if you're feeling sweet so we have our rewrites here, Chris. Since you're still giggling, and you went first, you no, went no, I'm you second. go first. Yeah. you go first. Uh, Stop yeah. giggling. Go first. I'll go first because mine's really dumb. Okay. The I did not. This was a hard chapter yeah. to rewrite, just because all of the sentences are sh so short and direct, yeah. and have so few subjects that are actually yeah. identified. Just a lot of. He ran around and said. Yeah, that was the that was the problem I ran into. So I so I just wrote a really short little scene because I, I was. It's not even really a rewrite. It's a reimagining of a scene that already happens. Here we go. What's your name? Giant Rumblebuffin, if it please your honor, said the giant, once more touching his cap. One of the most respected of all the giant families in Narnia. All the buffins always were. Of of course, said Aslan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've said it so many times, but hearing you say giant rumble buffin just sounds like saying that, like, you just had a fart. Like, I just had a giant rumble buffin. <laughs> it's just... And, dude, I think I'm like an old-timey wizard. Like, what... Yeah, yeah. You have no concrete <laughs> evidence that I was ever here. Anyway, so I just rewrote the scene where, like, the giant's very, really full of himself, and he's like, I'm from one of the most honored families in Narnia. And Is that Aslan, what you did? I missed that the first time. And Aslan's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay. Knock down the wall. <laughs> Go over <laughs> there that and was, help us That out. was my whole thing. Here's my rewrite. The courtyard looked no longer like a museum. It looked more like a zoo. And then, just as they came to the last curve in a narrow, winding valley, Lucy heard above all these noises another noise, a different one, which gave her a queer feeling inside. The noise was like an English fox hunt, only better, because every now and then, with the music of the hounds, was mixed the roar of the other lion, and sometimes the far deeper, more awful roar of Aslan himself. But at last, the ransacking of the witch's, witch's fortress was ended. Okay. I only did four sentences. I could not find a fifth one, but I just kind of like had this 
courtyard museum, zoo, bin of, din of battle, roaring lions, ransacking the witches, making it much more of a violent occurrence as opposed to yeah. the very life-giving and just reimagining the entire encounter. Yeah. And I think that that's what I like to do with this is not just reimagine the chapter by rewriting it, but re-inform the reading oh. by like... You know, maybe seeing something about a character that we didn't necessarily see before, like the awful roar of Aslan himself, followed by the last of the ransacking of the witch's fortress. Like, this is a woman who has spent a hundred years building up this kingdom authority and rule, and Aslan's just like, hop over the wall, we're gonna do some stuff, we're gonna stir the pot, and then we're gonna go... And yeah. it's ransacked. Is that your like, impression of Aslan? Because that was weird. No, that's <laughs> my impression of like the Aslan as villain, as opposed to Aslan as hero. Uh huh. Because like yeah, the witch has put a lot of work into this ruling Narnia thing. Oh, there you Keeping go. In the peace. And yeah, that's what she's been doing this whole time. Stonifying people. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and, and move on and end this because we're running short on time. Uh, with our last segment where I go back through the chapter uh, and just give it a rating because everything needs to be rated. On, everything must be rated. On a scale uh, from Maybe one to... you should rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that one too. Because we should uh, rate everything. Yeah, you're a 10. Uh, uh, out of what scale? Uh, one, like, to, one to five. Oh, I was going to say hundred. <sighs> okay, you're sweet. I am. Anyway, so what is our, we usually do it out of one to five scale system. Uh, what are we rating it on this time, Kristen? Okay, so at the end of the chapter, we have the moment where all of the newcomers run off into the battle. And so you're going to be rating this out of weapons that they, that they run into the battle with. You know, the dwarves with their battle axes, the dogs with teeth, the giant with his club, and his feet also. Unicorns with their horns, centaurs with swords and hooves. So you're you're rating this chapter out of weapons. Out of weapons. Ran into battle. You got it. Uh, so yeah. I, also, as... Susan's a non-entity in this chapter. Yep. She has like two words that she says to Lucy and then, is it safe? You know, the logical one. Yeah. Can I? Yeah, you can write the chapter. Uh, so anyway, um, as I was saying earlier, I I feel like this chapter has a lot of, a, a, at least a couple major moments where we break with the theme and the tone that it's going for. And it's the penultimate chapter. I'm going to get to use that word one way or the other. Ha <laughs> uh, And I feel like we're ramping up. Like, this is the climax. This is the end. We're going into this last battle in the book. We're wrapping everything up. Which this should be happening like, uh-huh. and like the further back in the story, and like the the last few chapters in a book are the pa- are this place for like frenetic action and resolution, and they're the a, always a bad place for you to throw in random humor unless it's really well done. Yeah, but uh, like we haven't even gotten to the final battle yet, and yeah. we are not <laughs> in the last chapter yet. Like yeah. the next one is the last chapter, and that's where the battle actually happens. Yeah, and so I feel like the whole like as much as I love Rumble Buffin, like the whole giant thing took me out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but like the scene with like running through the witch's house and freeing all the statues great moment like one of the instances where we actually see aslan doing something for once crazy yeah uh that's all really fun we find tumnus again tumnus is back hooray we go into the battle aslan leaps on the white witch this is like a yeah 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 climax moment (laughs) and so we do have a lot of good stuff in this but also a lot of bad stuff uh that kind of weighs it down and takes you out of it and so i'd say overall i'm gonna give this one a uh i'm gonna give a three 3.25 so i'll give it like three full battle axes and a dagger okay 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 fair uh, enough i was gonna say two of rumble buffin's feet and his club <laughs> because his club is half uh, because yeah so he's... so there you go there's 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 mine I'm gonna give it a nicked up sword, and that's that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, it's not even a thing in the chapter. Yep. It's, well, I mean, Peter's fighting with a sword, so it has to be nicked up by now. It's hitting a stone dagger. Yeah, it's you know, depending on the metal. It's, it's not an adamantium stone. sword. Well, maybe it is. It no, was, it's not. It was gifted to him by Father Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Father maybe. Christmas. It's a great for a system of government. Anyway, Weird so. men distributing swords. If you'd like to take us out, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us today as we discuss the penultimate chapter of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the proper Buhuan of the, of the Chronicles of Narnia series. We will see you next week as we discuss The Hunting of the White Stag, chapter 17, the last chapter the last in... One this entire book and in the meantime you can uh, interact with us on social media at chronically podcast on facebook and instagram or at chronically pod on twitter you can also email us at chronically at gmail.com hey chris what kind of fan art should we solicit this week uh an appropriately sized giant handkerchief Ooh, yes. <laughs> Just draw us a picture of a giant's handkerchief. Yep. All right, there you go. There we go. Thank you so much for that, Chris. And all of you fine folks out there in the world, do not lock yourselves in any wardrobes and... Don't forget to wipe your sword. See ya. Never know if you don't go. You're supposed to do the echo. You never know if you don't. Uh, no, you just say go. Oh, I didn't. I don't You'll remember never the know echo. if you don't go. Go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Like, please don't make a euphemism. Um. It's trying really hard not to. I know. Um, zero instances of sarcasm in this entire book and so for that to be the one i think would be a weird change of writing style because like nobody's sarcastic in this one or the magician's nephew really you need to talk louder it's like nobody's sarcastic i always thought it would make sense if they were dryads and wet ads but um i love sorry that was a dumb joke all right um anywho Rumble You and your war with lizards. <laughs> I don't have a war with lizards. I just want them to understand that I want to be left alone. <laughs>
there is a little bit of one of the, what do you call that, Mandela effect? It, Mandela in effect. The Mandela effect? Yeah. The Mandela. <laughs> I went to the Thunderdome okay. and had a rumble muffin. <laughs> a giant rumble muffin. Like, 